0: Peterson Experience on VSN,
2: the Sports Betting Network. It is hour number two of the Greg Peterson Experience, right here on VSN, the Sports Betting Network, and it is great to be joined by our guest. As this man does absolutely terrific work over there at the Field of 68, also does the Making the Madness podcast. You're able to find that wherever you find your podcast: Apple Podcasts, Google Play. List goes on and on. As we've got Sean Paul joining me. Follow him on Twitter at Sean Paul CBB That is S E A N on Sean. So no H in there. And Sean, always great to have you aboard. Thank you.
3: Yeah, thanks for having me, Greg, on this late night of college hoops. You know, we're getting into the best week of college basketball here.
2: Sean, I Sean, I know that you've been able to do a great job all season long of being able to gauge so many of these teams and when it comes down to it, with regards to everything that we wound up seeing on Saturday, is there a team or two that really stood out to you with regards to maybe a team that wound up surprising you, maybe a team that they looked a little bit more solid than you thought that they were going to?
3: I mean, I'll say Texas A&M. This is a team I wasn't very high on for much of the season. They started out uh, like 15-4. and four. They played Kentucky, and then they lost there, and then they went on a big-time losing streak, losing six or seven straight. But then they look to be figuring things out. Buzz Williams is a really good coach, especially on the defensive end. You look at a guy like Quentin Jackson, great athlete. He's our go-to scorer, great defender. Tyrese Bradford has really been the X Factor for him. Oblate, the Virginia Tech transfer, great defender. He can defend four positions. And he's been shooting the ball really well, which is something he's never done well in the past. He was on a great streak of hitting threes over the weekend. So it looks like Texas A&M will be in the NCAA tournament. And that's not a team I'd want to face right now because they have a lot of momentum and that defense is tough every single night.
2: I'm right there with you. It's a Texas A&M team that I feel like they should be in the field over. I'm looking at you, Xavier, who wound up losing eight out of your last 10 games and looked completely pathetic down the stretch, losing to Butler. I may or may not have laid the points in that game, so... That is a team that they certainly aren't going to be getting the benefit of the doubt from me. Texas AM has been able to look relatively solid. And when it comes to some of the mid majors that we want being able to punch your ticket to march the teams that wound up being able to do so on Saturday. Was there one or two that really stood out to you? Because for me, my biggest one was Vermont. I was liking this team anyway. And the fact that they just bludgeoned UMBC the way that they did, that really stood out to me. I think that they're a team that if they wind up getting the right draw, I don't know if they'd be able to get an outright win, but I think that they'd be able to put a scare into a team. Is there a team that you think maybe will be seeded 13 or lower that really stood out to you that was able to get the job done on Saturday?
3: I'll go with UAB. I mean, it was North Texas and UAB going back at it in the Conference USA all year. And then Louisiana Tech ends up upsetting North Texas the other day, and that led to this matchup. And UAB, they played a good game. They're a very good defensive team. Quan Jackson is a great on-ball defender for them. And Andy Kennedy's done a great job. This team like to force turnovers. They like to play relatively fast. And Jordan Jelly Walker is a guy that can absolutely take over a game with the scoring ability. We saw it in the triple overtime game against middle Tennessee. The other day, we saw it today. He's a guy that's going to make every free throw late in the game. He's going to make the clutch shots. He's just that guy that you want with the ball in his hands late in the game. You have two high major transfers up front with Trey Jemison from Clemson and KJ Buffin from Ole Miss. So this is an experienced team with a very good coach. And that's what I would say. Andy Kennedy is a very good coach. you maybe even a great coach. And then you have a lot of pieces around him. You have depth. I like this UAB team quite
2: a bit. I'm right there with you on UAB. I think that this is a team that they're probably going to be placed on. I would think the 12 seed line, if they do wind up drawing a 13 seed, I think that they're going to be very dangerous. You mentioned with Jamison Wines coming in from Clemson, guy that's able to give you a block and a half per contest as a seven-footer. And this is a team that they already went on the road. They were able to knock off St. Louis in a relatively tight game there they've been able to do a solid job all season long when facing off against good competition, lose by two against San Francisco. They wind up pushing West Virginia to the brink, actually led in that game late as well. So I do think that it's a U of team that they've got a little bit of feistiness in them. And then when it comes to what we're going to be seeing out of the Atlantic 10 as well, I do think that whoever winds up getting the auto bid here is going to be fasting. I think that your one real bid thief here is going to be Richmond. If Richmond is able to get the job done, they wind up stealing the bid. I think that Davidson is going to be in regardless. But I think whoever out of Richmond or Davidson is able to get a win, I think either of these teams have a chance to be able to win a game in the NCAA tournament as well.
3: Yeah, I agree with you. I mean, Davidson's offense, Bob McKillop, is one of the best offensive coaches in college basketball. way so he's able to draw plays, get a lot of shots up, great shooters. Uh, he, he just has everything rolling for him there. But Richmond's an interesting team because they really struggled last year. They were one of the more disappointing teams in college basketball. They had a bunch of seniors, and they got all those guys except for Blake Francis back. They got Nick Sherrod back, who was out last year injuring. Tyler Burton has really progressed this year, and they've found their stride. I mean, they're down 14 at the half to Rhode Island the other day. Their season looked over. And then they come back there. They go and beat a tough BCU team the next day pretty handily. And then they come back after Malachi Smith of Dayton went down with an injury to go ahead and win that one and go to the championship game. They have that feel of a team that just found something at halftime against Rhode Island. And they're going to carry that all the way into an NCAA tournament bid. I think they beat Davidson tomorrow because the key for them is hitting three pointers. It's not something they've done consistently this year, but if they're hitting those threes, their defense has really stepped up lately. I think Richmond will be able to win that game.
2: And I think that's something that needs to be stated with this Richmond team as well. They've got the all-time leader at the division one level with regards to the steals. Mm -hmm. That'd be Jacob Gilliard. He's the only guy in all of college basketball averaging more than 3.1 steals per contest. This is a guy that is going to be a matchup nightmare, no matter who they wind up facing. I'm very excited to see him if he winds up being able to get the job done, be able to get into the NCAA tournament because Richmond, they do have to win against Davidson to be able to get there. But with Davidson as well, they're a team that they're probably going to be just outside that eight, nine line, regardless of what what winds up happening here. And we already wound up seeing them knock off Alabama in the state of Alabama. And I think that this is a team that, they can match up with darn near anyone. I think that if they do have a little bit of a deficiency, it would be on the glass. But this is a Davidson team that they can score with anyone. And they're a team that they do a great job of just being efficient in general. And they're a team that if I'm a 6-7 seed, I do not want to see.
3: Oh, I agree with you. I mean, you have Hun Jun Lee, who's an NBA-level shooter. He will play at the next level. Luka Braskovich is a very good player. Uh, he's really improved this year as a senior. He's been around for a while. Foster Lawyer has been a terrific transfer addition from Michigan State. This he's a perfect fit for Bob McKillop offense. This Davidson team is really good.
2: Yep, I totally agree with you. As we do have Sean Paul joining me right here on the show. Follow my Twitter at Sean Paul and Sean, you've joined my podcast plenty of times, the Coast to Coast Hoops Podcast, and you do an absolutely amazing job of taking a look at so many of these majors and. A team that you mentioned to me a few weeks ago that you think that they could be able to win a game in the NCAA tournament as a very much lower seed. They're actually going to be in action on Sunday. That'd be Princeton right now, find themselves as a three to three and a half point favorite against Yale. And I think that it's going to be really interesting to see what winds up happening in this game, because it's a Yale team that they've improved quite a bit on defense, but it's a Princeton team that is one of the most efficient on offense at all of college basketball. What do you expect from this game? Because I do think that Princeton, they've got the upper hand here. I like them to be able to get the job done against Yale and be able to get that out of bed.
3: Yeah, I agree with you. I think they'll win and cover. And the biggest reason is, like you said, the offense. This is a team I like a lot. And they're looking like a potential like back-end 13 seed, maybe an early 14 seed. So that's really improved over the last couple of weeks. But Tosani Woma, their big man who won Ivy League Player of the Year, is my favorite player to watch in the country. He just does it all. He can take the ball coast-to-coast off a rebound. He's really like a point guard that's a center, and that's perfect for a Princeton offense because that's what Princeton does. I mean, big men are able to pass the ball and set up others. And the way he's able, it's almost like in football, how, like, the run can set up the pass. That's kind of what Tosani Woma does. He's going to pass the shooters, and then once those, once the uh, shooters start getting shots, he's going to go get his. So that's part of what makes Tosani so good, is that he's able to find his spots. He's not always going to look for his own buckets right away, but he's able to get other players involved, and then he's going to do what he does. I think the key for Yale is Isaiah Kelly, their big man. Uh, if he's able to get Tosan in foul trouble, if he's able to stop him a little bit, then that put, puts Princeton in a bit of a tough position because they don't have very much depth. So if, if Tosan gets in foul trouble, that could be an issue for Princeton. And Azar Swain is one of the best tough shot makers we've seen in the Ivy League in quite some time. So I think Yale can keep it competitive, but I think Princeton has the edge.
2: Yeah, but I'm right there with you. I do think that if Princeton winds up making the NCAA tournament, they've got a shot to be able to win a game. With Yale, I just really question it. We wound up seeing them play against... Some better competition when it came to the non conference portion. They wound up getting completely bludgeoned when they wound up going to the game against when they wound up going up against St. Mary's. Felt like night in and night out when they wound up going up against some of these power conference teams. They were just getting blown out by double digits. And if they do wind up being able to get the bid out of the Ivy League, I just don't see any way that you could wind up taking them to be able to advance anywhere in your bracket. And I just don't think that there's a lot of good matchups for them because you mentioned Swain. Absolutely tremendous. They don't have much behind them.
3: No, not at all. I mean, you look at some of the other options like Jalen Gabadon, he's more of a defender. Matthew Cotton hasn't played particularly well this year. So uh, it's just not, it hasn't been great for Yale outside of Azar Swain.
2: Sean, we've got about I would say about a minute or so here. Is there one other team that you wound up seeing on Saturday that they want being able to punch your bid to the NCAA tournament maybe they wouldn't be going otherwise that people should keep their eyes on when it comes to selection Sunday as perhaps being a little bit of an upset candidate?
3: I'll I'll give a shout out here to St. Peter's. I mean, Shaheen always doing a great job there, and this is a really good defensive team. That's going to give, I mean, they're top six in Ken Palm's defensive efficiency for a team in the MAC. Like, that's not easy to do. They really struggle offensively at times, but if guards Doug Edert and Matthew Lee really get it going from outside, St. Peter's could be a 14 or 15 seed that gives a team a little bit of a scare. I don't think they'll win a game, but can they force a bunch of turnovers against Auburn? Probably. I mean, Auburn's shown that they can turn the ball over and be a little erratic at times. So I think St. Peter could be a team that gives gives the two or three seeds some problems.
2: And Casey Undefu, the big man for St. Peter's. Actually, a lot of college basketball in terms of score Contest and a man that's leading the way on this show, providing some great content. That'd be you, Sean. Really appreciate the time tonight. You do an absolutely amazing job. And always a pleasure to have you aboard both on my podcast and here tonight. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. Sean is one of the best in the business. Absolutely great mind at Sean Paul CBB is where you're able to follow him on social media. Great to be able to get his perspective. Now coming up next, we do have to take a look at a few other results that we wound up seeing from Saturday and then turn it forward to a game that we're going to be taking a look at for the DK Nation pick up next right here on
0: BC.
2: eSports betting network
4: You're experiencing Hoops Peterson himself on VSN, the sports
0: betting
1: network.
2: This segment of the Greg Peterson Experience is brought to you by Zen Nicotine Pouches. Are you tired of the same old, same old when it comes to nicotine? Have you been smoking? Or have you been looking, hoping, and wishing for a more satisfying, discreet, or smoke-free way to be able to experience nicotine satisfaction? Then you need just three letters. Z-Y-N. ZYN Nicotine Pouches are satisfying. They're smoke-free. They're a spit-free tobacco alternative. And they're available in varieties like Spearmint, Wintergreen, Citrus, and many more for your convenience. Each variety comes in two strengths, so that way you're able to easily find the satisfaction level that is perfect for you. ZYN is America's number one nicotine pouch. It is available in over 100,000 locations nationwide, and that means it's ever been easier to find your Zin. So head over to Zin.com find to locate a store that is nearest you. That is find. And warning, this is a product that contains nicotine. Nicotine, it is an addictive chemical. As we're back here on the Greg Peterson Experience with myself, Greg Oops Peterson. Big thanks once again to Sean Paul. Does an absolutely terrific job looking at the game of college basketball. Always a pleasure to get him aboard, whether it be this show or this show. Or on my podcast, Coast to Coast Soup. So he absolutely brought it once again. And now we've got to bring it as well as we're going to hit on a little bit more of what we wind up seeing on Saturday in a few minutes. But with that said, gotta give out what we're gonna be on for the DK Nation pick on Sunday. If you wind up missing it this time around, have no fear. I'll refresh it at the end of the show as well. But how about if we wind up going out to the Big Ten tournament? This is gonna be the last game that we are gonna be seeing before selection Sunday. This is six fifty-one, six fifty-two on the betting board. Iowa and Purdue are going to be doing battle. Right now, you're fighting this total in most places at a 148. I'm currently seeing at DraftKings a 147.5, and, and Purdue, they're finding themselves anywhere between a, a 1.5 to a 2.5-point favorite, so we're seeing a little bit of variance here. And with the side in this one, I want to say my line, Purdue being a 2-point favorite. 2 is the absolute max I'd be willing to lay with Purdue. I would be willing to lay it and We've seen a lot of movement with regards to this game because we did wind up seeing a lot of 2.5s, Just actually a few minutes ago, you actually wound up seeing this get to three at the south point. It has dropped back down to two, so things seem to be ironing out because I actually wound up seeing this open up at a pick So we've seen a lot of herky-jerkiness with regards to this line right now. But what I'm really going to be taking a look at, we're going to not go with the spread in this for the DK Nation pick. But instead, we're going to be looking at the total, and we're going to be looking at the over because you take a look at these two teams. They both rank at the top five with regards to points scored on a per possession basis. These are two teams that they just absolutely put it up on offense. These two teams wound up playing twice during the regular season. Both times, both teams wound up being able to get to 70 points. Neither team is showing signs of being able to stop anything right now either. You wound up having both teams give up 70-plus points. Yesterday, I do recognize that legs are going to be a little bit tired, but both of these teams do a very good job of being able to pound the ball inside, and both of these teams travel very well. Both of these teams shoot at minimum 37.5% from 3 point range in a road and neutral court environment. And as a matter of fact, in the case of Iowa, they've shot better from 3 point range in a road and neutral court environment rather than at home. Now you take a look at what you're able to get out of Keegan Murray. He is one of the top players at all of college basketball in terms of scoring. Top 10 with that regard, 23 points, 8 rebounds, steal and a half, block per contest. He does an absolutely incredible job with that. But then you take a look at the flip side, for Purdue among your top five players that have made at least one three. So that takes that out of the fold. You've got four guys that shoot at least thirty-nine and a half percent from three-point range. So they're able to do an absolutely terrific job with that regard now. You have a Purdue team that they're not necessarily looking to push a the tempo. They rank outside of the top two hundred with regards to total possessions per game, but you just take a look at the way that they're giving out points as well, or a team that they're outside the top 150 with regards to points allowed on a per possession basis, and causes for some very harebrained games meanwhile you take a look at this Iowa team they've never been known for defense and that has been the case once again this season an Iowa team that has played two-thirds of their games to the over they're in the top 10 with regards to percentage of their games that have been played to the over out of your 358 D1 teams that involves teams from very much lesser conferences in which the books they're looking at a little bit less so they have clearly been a very good over team for you all season long Jordan Bohannon winds up banking in that three to be able to get the team to this spot and he's been very solid at being able to give this team a lot of production as well. A guy that is in his 57th year of eligibility is able to give you right around 11 points per contest. So I do think that he's going to be able to have a little bit of an imprint on this game. I think that Iowa is going to have a very difficult time trying to slow down Zach Eadie upon Travion Williams. And then on the flip side, I do think that Purdue is going to have a couple turnovers. Iowa is a team that they turned the ball over. They forced right around 8.5 seals per contest. And for Iowa, they don't turn the ball over either. They rank at the top three in all of college basketball with regards to few turnovers on a per possession basis. I think that this is just clearly all the strengths on both sides being on offense and all the weaknesses on both sides clearly being on defense. So I do think that you're gonna get yourself quite a bit of scoring in this game. I set my total at one fifty two, and that's in including tired legs and the neutral court environment. If this were on either campus, this is a total I'd probably be setting more like north of one fifty six because you've got a pair of teams that the last time they t- wanted to playing, it was 83-73 on a just true home court environment for either of these teams. I would probably be setting it more around a 156. I think that we're going to see something very similar in this game. So, DK Nation pick is going to be on the over with regards to looking at the spread. I'm willing to lay up to two here with Purdue. If you're seeing that one and a half, that would be the max I'm willing to lay, but you're also seeing that at DraftKings with a little bit of juice. Anywhere between minus 120 and minus 125, I would not be willing to lay an extra 10 to 15 cents of juice. I would rather wait for a little bit of a line move, rather shop around. You want to be avoiding laying minus 125 to try to get like a half a point. So that is one of those circumstances in which you're better off just not laying a minus 125 on a point and a half. You'd rather be just shopping around with that one. So it's a spot in which I'm going to be taking a look at the over though with the DK nation pick mentioned it a little bit earlier. And we're going to have Matt humans on the show in a few minutes. We're going to be talking a little bit more big time with him because I do think that it's a vulnerable conference. We're also going to be mentioning a team that, most likely you're going to be getting a top two seed. That I know that he's not necessarily too bullish on, but something that I am bullish on is taking a look at some of these seeds that they might be able to make a little bit of noise in the NCAA tournament. Did not wind up giving a little bit of love to this team, Montana State. Who I think is probably going to be a 14 seed, maybe a 15 seed. They want to be able to get the job done. They wind up being able to take down Northern Colorado by a count of 87 to 66. And I do take a look at this bunch. And I do think that there are some redeeming qualities here when it comes to Montana state. Now it's not a team that wanted necessarily going out there and they were in absolute just bombshell. When it came to their non-conference slate, they just didn't wind up having a lot of opportunities to be able to get a quality win. But this is a team that, under the tutelage of Danny Sprinkle, have really been able to do a solid job prior to him getting there. Montana State had always been just one of the biggest stormats in terms of defense at all of college basketball. And it's not like they're a top-ten team with regards to points a lot on a per-possession base or anything like that. But they're right around 100th. They're able to hold their own. And... What I do like about this team is that they've now got a post presence. His name is Jariah Bello. He's able to give you right around 13.5 points, 6.5 bores a block per contest. He's been able to do some absolutely amazing work for the team, and Montana State is a team that they shoot the lights out when they are able to. Right around 37% from three-point range, you've got a whole bunch of guys with a lot of versatility. They wound up winning the regular season in the big sky at 16-4. and four. It's a team that has really been able to improve as the season has went along as well, especially on the defensive side of things. You take a look at the way that they're coming into the NCAA tournament. They have given up fewer than 70 points in five out of their last six games. And this is not a big sky that you've got a bunch of up-tempo teams and a bunch of teams that they really hang their hat on offense. Take a look at Eastern Washington. You take a look at Southern Utah, Weber State. All these teams are in the top 125 with regards to possessions, Brain. Weber State, Northern Colorado, Eastern Washington, I mentioned a little bit earlier, all these teams, they are teams that they really do a good job with their offensive efficiency and they play no defense and yet they were still able to do a good job of being locked down on them. So I'm very impressed by them. Xavier Bishop is someone that comes in from UMKC, has been able to give the team 14 points four assists, does a good job of being able to run the offense for the team. They do a good job. Be able to take good, efficient shots. I think that this could be a little bit of a tough matchup for a team if they wind up getting the right seed line because you do have a lot of guys that they've got a lot of versatility with the team, and they've also got a glue guy as well. You typically don't find this at the big major level, but someone like a Nick Gonzalez, who shoots right around 88% of the free line, 34% of the free line, only gives the team right around... Five or so points per contest, but is a guy that does a very good job as a little bit of defensive stopper. It's something that you do like to see for the team. And the big reason why the team was able to improve down the stretch as well is that they wound up having a Washington transfer by the name of Raquan Battle come in and do some very solid work. Now, he was very limited in the game against Northern Colorado. It looked like he might have been dealing with a little bit of an ailment, but. In the four games prior, have been able to give the team double figures and every one of them you want to be checking in, just making sure that he's okay moving forward. Very strange for him to only wind up playing 10 minutes in a contest. I do think that there might be a little bit of an underlying injury that wound up happening with that one. But you do have a Montana State team that I think is going to be worth, at the very least, a little bit of a look when it comes to perhaps. I wouldn't say being able to pull off an outright upset, but once again, being one of those 14, 15 seeds that they're catching a couple too many points, they're able to cover the spread. And you do find that with a lot of these mid-major teams as well. I do think that there's going to be quite a few teams that they're going to be catching just a couple too many points. We've been seeing quite a few underdogs be able to come through in these power conference tournaments and I do think that the gap between these power conference teams and more of these mid-majors has become a little bit less with regards to the transfer portal you've got a lot of guys with a whole bunch of experience just all across the board a lot of guys that they do wind up playing at some of these power conference teams like a Raekwon battle I mentioned a little bit earlier so I do think that that's going to be something very interesting to take a look at moving forward and I certainly do think that you've got yourself a lot of teams that want to find their way into the NCAA tournament that they're going to be putting in and there are a lot of scares, but something that is just absolutely amazing is getting Matt humans on the program. He does amazing work over here at the network. He's going to be a part of our college basketball coverage all throughout March Madness, and he joins me next, right here on Vison Esports Bank Network. Dead. You're
0: experiencing Hoops Peterson himself on VSN, the sports betting network.
2: Get everything that you need to bet the madness this year with 24 7 streaming, daily best bet emails, and our tournament betting guide, including advice, data, and strategy for only $19. Whether you're filling out a bracket or betting against a spread, our team is here to get you ready for every single game and every single round of the tournament. You get analysis from our experts like Greg Oops and the man who's joining me right now, Matt Humans, John Von Tobel, Tim Murray, and many others. They provide insights. On every single key team, conference, and player to watch from the favorites to the potential Cinderella. Sign up today for the VSIN Betting Guide, plus full access through VCN through April 5th for only nineteen dollars. That's at VCN.com. Madness says it is the Greg Peterson experience right here on VSIN the Sports betting Network and I mentioned one of those names right there in the read. We've got our man Matt Humans joining me right here at Matt Humans twenty four seven on Twitter, host of the Edge every Monday through Friday, and he's going to be playing a big part of everything that we're going to be doing this March. And Matt, great to have you aboard tonight. Thank you.
4: So it's great to be on with a real life celebrity like Greg hoop Peter. So I'm out actually out here at Circuit right now, hanging out with uh, some uh, big names like. Derek Stevens, Darren Banks, Bill 80, Randy McKay. We're out here, Greg, about 100 yards from where you are. And uh, I got to tell you, I'm a happy man right now because I had Fullerton seven to one to win the Big West tournament. And um, I hedged that bet a little bit today, taking uh, the underdog at plus two. And Greg, where did that game fall? One. (laughs) Yes. How great was that? That's an ideal ending and uh, that's the definition of sweating it out in the tur in the championship of the big West tournament tonight. Pretty that was much, uh Fullerton over long beach by one.
2: Yeah. Pretty much what you wound up having was tonight for the future Cal state Fullerton on the money line. And then you hedge it with a two. So you pretty much had a two point middle and you hit it perfectly. So I mean, that can't go much better than that. As it was a 72 to 71 final as Fullerton was able to get there. And then you wound up having the over wind of hitting as well. And How about if we wind up pivoting from that talking about a team that is now probably very near and dear to your heart too a coach that is very near and dear to your heart. That would be Mr. (laughs) Coach K over there at Duke. As we might have seen Duke go down in a fiery heap tonight against Virginia Tech as Virginia Tech was just burying threes left and right. I do think that this is a Virginia Tech team that is going to be able to win a game or two in the NCAA tournament. I like what I've seen out of them, but when it comes to Duke, what are you expecting out of this team? Because we've seen them look very erratic in the last few weeks. Obviously, this is the last ride for Coach K, but – I don't know whether that winds up helping out Duke or if that winds up hurting them because that means that there's a lot of pressure on these guys as well.
4: You know, that's an interesting thought too. And I was debating that with someone the other day. I, I don't even think Coach K is coaching anymore at this point, Greg. I think he's CEOing. And uh, he has, I don't think he's really done a lot of coaching for quite a while. I did think going into the uh, Cameron Indoor finale against Carolina that the Duke could looked like a pretty good team They might have a a decent shot to make a final four run, and who knows? Because if you think about it, Duke's three losses in the ACC leading up to that point were by a total of four points. And the loss at Ohio State was in a really tough scheduling spot. And uh, I believe that game was an overtime that the Blue Devils lost in the Columbus. So Duke really had no bad losses on its resume. Now that's kind of changed here in the past week. Because if you go back to a week ago Saturday, the the blowout loss at home to Carolina at Cameron, and then tonight to lose to Virginia Tech the way the Blue Devils did, I think it's got to be really discouraging from a Duke perspective because some of the um, the things I questioned about this team, Greg, and I'm sure you did as well, I I think the biggest concern with Duke is uh, the lack of three-point shooting. You just really don't have a sniper like you had in the past, whether it's Grayson Allen or J.J. Reddick, if you want to go way back. Duke's always had a shooter. This Duke team really doesn't have a shooter. And uh, I believe tonight, Duke was four for 20 from three-point range. Meanwhile, Virginia Tech had a shooter who was lighting it up uh, for uh, most of uh, tonight. And I think started seven for eight from three. So when you don't have a shooter, that makes everything a little bit more difficult on the offensive end. And also, when I look at this Duke team, Greg, I, I question the defense. I question, uh, at this point, the toughness. I, I, I'm a little bit curious about, are these guys maybe mentally exhausted from the whole Coach K experience that they're, they're going through here with the last ride? Uh, so I think Duke's going to have a lot of concerns going to the tournament. I would not have really said that two weeks ago, but man, this has been a, a bad Greg, this has been a bad week, week and a half for Duke.
2: Yeah, but it's been really interesting. I will say this, AJ Griffin coming into the night, he was shooting over 50% from three power engine road and neutral court environments. One of eight from three-point range. You figured that there's going to be a little bit of regression there, and boy, did it! Wind up hitting hard on Saturday, so it's going to be interesting to see how he winds up responding in the NCAA tournament. And Matt, something else I know is very near and dear to your heart is Big Ten basketball. It's something that I absolutely love as well. And when I take a look at the Big Ten in general, I've got my question marks with pretty much every single team in the conference. Like with Wisconsin, Johnny Davis—he is the entire heart and soul of this team. Is he going to be 100%? When it comes to Purdue and Iowa, the two teams that we're going to be seeing on Sunday, are either of these teams going to be able to play a lick of defense? For Indiana, is they going to be able to do a little bit of better job on offense, like we wound up seeing in the Big Ten tournament? So, list goes on and on. I'm not sure about you, but I take a look at the entire conference in general, and I really can't pick out one team that I feel good about making a deep run.
4: You know, I reflect a year ago on selection Sunday night, and uh, you were really sharp in your analysis on Ohio State and Oral Roberts. And, uh, you know, a lot of people jumped on that Oral Roberts play, and I think you were the first one to talk about it on V-Send, but it made so much sense. And I think if you go into the tournament this year, you've got to look to fade. Most of these big 10 teams. And, uh, I have been, I gotta be honest. I've, I've been fading this Purdue team for two months. I I really think Purdue's overrated in the betting market. I don't think Purdue, Greg, you can check your logs. I don't think Purdue's covered a closing number since February 8th against Illinois. And, uh, they've had some late game, bad luck and things like that. But still, I, I, I think this team's overrated in the betting market. Now, Probably not overrated in the betting market in the Big Ten tournament title game against Iowa because uh, that number, I think, opened one, is now at uh, Purdue minus two, and that's probably about where it should be. Uh, but you're right. Typically, Purdue teams play great defense. This is not a typical Purdue team. It's it's almost like Matt Painter sacrifices his end to the floor for more offense because Purdue's been number one in offensive efficiency, and uh, Ken Palm's numbers pretty much the entire season are close to it. I think, in general, when you bet these tournaments, a lot of times when you get to Saturday and Sunday, you want to look to unders because the players are tired. They played back 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 days in a lot of circumstances. And you see unders, uh, I mean, you watch San Diego State tonight. Who's going to bet San Diego State over the total? Nobody in their right mind would do that. But tomorrow, I think the one game you might have to think over the total is Iowa-Purdue because these teams don't play the defensive end of the floor. Uh, they're both pretty efficient offensively, and I'm not sure there's a hotter team offensively right now than the Iowa Hawkeyes, Greg. I like Iowa tomorrow. I took Iowa plus two. Now, I bet Iowa to win the Big Ten tournament, too. I Before the tournament started, Iowa was 4-1 in a couple spots. I said I was going to roll over the money lines in every game on Iowa until the Hawkeyes won the Big Ten tournament, and uh, I will do that again tomorrow. I think Iowa's going to beat Purdue tomorrow. This Purdue team, I think, has been uh, just barely escaping In a lot of these games here in the past month or so.
2: Yep. And interestingly enough, a few hours ago at the South point, I saw Iowa catching three points. That was just a little bit too good of an offer to deny on that one. And you mentioned it with this Purdue team. They have not covered a game ever since February 8th. They did wind up having one push in there. That was a line of six when they Uh were taking on Northwestern. So you do have one push in there, but Boy, oh boy, they have not been great. And you just mentioned exactly what I'm giving out for DK Nation on Sunday, the over in this game between Purdue and Iowa. And I think that Iowa is just worth a look on overs in general because you've got teams that are pace takers and pace makers, as they always like to say. And Iowa, they're one of the very rare teams in which they play up tempo and they seem to always get their pace.
4: No, you're right about that, except for Greg, and I know you'll remember this game specifically, except for when the Hawkeyes played at Rutgers. At Penn State. Remember that? Huh?
2: And Penn State.
4: Yeah, and Penn State. There's been a couple of occasions where teams have been really able to slow this Hawkeyes team down. It doesn't happen too often. But I remember that game at Rutgers. I think it ended up like 50 to 49, somewhere in that neighborhood. 48 to 46. Okay, that that was a really ugly game. I watched that on the Big Ten Network that night, and I was like, wow, you, don't, you just don't see teams lock down the Hawkeyes on the offensive floor, off, offense bend to the floor like that. I think that um, this is going to be an up-and-down game. It's just going to come down to shot-making, really. It should get over the total. Uh, if the players' legs are tired and they're, they're leaving jumpers short, maybe that's uh, what we keep it under. But the pace and the fact it's going to be an up-and-down game, I think, has to tell you to bet the Iowa Purdue game over the total one. Uh, I lean the I Hawkeyes here. I think uh, they're just playing a little bit better. I really, Greg, if you look at it, they're the hottest team in the Big Ten in the last, I think the Hawkeyes won, uh, let's see, I'm going to say 12 of the past 14. Yeah, so they're it, probably the hottest team in the league.
2: It is really an Iowa team that has been able to do a terrific job winning nine out of their last 10 and a man that has won 10 out of his last 10 a guy that always is terrific that'd be you Matt always (laughs) great to have
4: you aboard thank you you bet Greg thanks buddy
2: Matt does absolutely terrific work over here on the network and coming up next right here on Visa the sports betting network taking a look at a little bit more of what we wound up getting on Saturday and turning it forward to your bracket
0: send the sports betting network
2: game on play the yingling bracket battle and bring the goods make sure to Make your college hoops fix before the tip-off of the NCAA tournament to take your free shot at a share of $60,000 in cash prizes. Head over to DraftKings.com slash Yingling to join in on the action. Yingling, log her up and bring the goods. Terms and conditions and other eligibility restrictions do apply. See DraftKings.com for details. As it is a Greg Peterson experience right here on v the Sports Bank Network. Big thanks to Matt Humans for joining me in the last segment. He does absolutely terrific work over here at the network he much like myself absolutely loved big 10 college basketball we wound up hitting upon that iowa versus purdue game going to be very interesting to see what we wind up getting out there and going to be really interesting to see what we wind up getting in general with regards to this ncaa tournament because i've mentioned quite a few of the teams that we wound up seeing on saturday that are going to be able to take center stage that i think are going to be very fascinating but i do think that a team that needs a little bit more And a team that I was very really impressed by with what they were able to do on Saturday, that would be Arizona. How about what they were able to do to UCLA being able to get the job done by kind of 84 to 76. They fell down in this game by double figures at one point in the second half, and then they were able to really rally themselves. They were obviously without Kirk Carissa. I mentioned it a little bit earlier. You do want to be checking in on his status prior to the NCAA tournament because he did mind taking a little bit of an ailment, was out of the fold for the last few games of the Pac 12 tournament. But even without him, this is an Arizona team that's very dangerous. A guy that I really feel like doesn't get enough mention and doesn't get enough credit, that'd be Dallin Terry. Dallin Terry doesn't get a lot of mention because. Someone that doesn't necessarily do a lot of scoring. He did wind up having 15 points in this contest against UCLA, but he's the textbook definition of a glue guy. A guy that stands right around six foot seven. He gives you seven and a half points, four and a half boards, three and a half assists, one point two CLs per game. There is a gentleman out there by the name of Evan Miyako. He's one of the better statistician gurus when it comes to college basketball. He's got players ranked with regards to their indispensability to their team. Dallin Terry is actually darn near the top for Arizona. You've got a lot of guys that really make this team function. I would always, I always am one of those people that I think the Christian Coloco is perhaps the most indispensable player on this team. He wound up having this game, 13 points, 10 rebounds, four blocks. You just noticed it with Arizona, when he's off the floor, when he's in foul trouble, it's just a completely different team because he is the main fulcrum of this team down low, being able to block all these shots, but... With Arizona, they've got so many ways to be able to get the job done. And with this Arizona team, they do it on both offense and defense. They rank in the top 10 in both points scored and points allowed on a per possession basis. And you take a look at this Arizona team. They play just as fast as heck. They wind up entering into the night with regards to total possessions per game. Right around 19th with regards to total possessions per game. They actually play a little bit faster in a road and neutral court environment rather than at home. So I do think that it's going to be really intriguing to take a look at them. If you do have a little bit of a knock with this team, it's that they didn't wind up necessarily having to play against the world's greatest competition. They wound up getting that win against Michigan earlier in the season. that turns out that Michigan is a little bit of a bubble team. They want to play against the likes of Wichita state out of conference. They did get a nice win against Wyoming. That 94 65 win. It's looked better and better. And things have won along. They wound up going to Knoxville. They took the loss there, but you also take a look at that win against Illinois. I still remember that game very fondly because well, they want them knocking off Illinois, they wound up having flight trouble. They literally had to Uber to Champaign in order to play the game, and yet they still got the job done going through a time zone because Arizona time is, I believe, just its own time zone in general in that state. So you wound up going through one time zone, but they were still able to do a very solid job in that game being able to get it done. So I did take a look at this Arizona team. They're going to be finding themselves on the one seed line and. If you wind up getting something like Arizona versus Gonzaga in the final four, I mentioned it a little bit earlier in my power rankings. These two teams are separated by about three-fourths of a point, depending upon if a guy winds up being a little bit banged up, depending upon like the venue, what have you. It's a case in which I could make a case for Arizona being a favorite in that game. So I do think that that is going to be very intriguing to take a look at. Another team that I think is going to be very intriguing to take a look at in general is a team that has not gotten any love on the show thus far, and it's because they were a little bit of a surprise team being able to make the NCAA tournament. That would be the zips of Akron. They were able to get the win on Saturday against Kent State by kind of 75 to 55, and this is an Akron team that they've been able to play some of their better basketball down the stretch. You may recall their coach, John Gross, 10 years ago, led a MAC team that very nearly made the Elite Eight as a 13 seed In Ohio wound up going to Illinois and boy oh boy did did not go well from there but you take a look at this Akron team they've been able to fire on all cylinders coming into the NCAA tournament as this is a team that they come in on an eight game win streak and they play out there in a conference in the Mac that is very notorious for offense you've got a bunch of teams that they're looking to run it and gun it they are just absolutely able to shoot the lights out this is a bunch in Akron that they have allowed fewer than 70 points and now I just want to make sure I have it correct here. 15 straight games out there in the Mac. I mean, that is just absolutely ridiculous. That is like speeding up Virginia and having them score like 70 points on every single game that they wind up playing. That's pretty much the equivalent of it because out there in the Mac, you've got Toledo, one of your top teams with regards to offense. Buffalo is a top 40 team with regards to possessions per game. Boyd Green was literally in the top 10 with regards to total possessions per game in all of college basketball. Eastern Michigan was a top 40 team with regards to possessions brain, Ball State was in the top 65, so they're playing against all these up-tempo teams, and yet they were still in the bottom 40 with regards to total possessions brain. We talked about something with Matt a little bit earlier, in the fact that you have Iowa seemingly in every single game be able to get their tempo this is a accurate team that they are able to do so. And that's going to make them really dangerous when it comes to the NCAA tournament. And when you've got a team that they really do a good job of being able to slow games down, they are able to get things at their sort of liking. It makes other teams a little bit prone to being able to take an upset. And you take a look at this team. They wanted up playing against one real ranked team in the non-conference portion of the slate. That would be against Ohio state. They wound up losing that game by one point in Columbus and it took a shot at the buzzer. I think it was Zed Key that wound up hitting it, that wound up lifting the team to victory. Now, this was on opening night, keep in mind, and it was an Akron team that they wound up falling down in that game by 12 points early on in it, and they were able to claw their way back. This is an Akron team that they're probably going to be finding themselves, I would say, on the 14 seed line. Now, I'm not a bracketologist. They might wind up finding themselves a little bit higher. They might wind up finding themselves a little bit lower. That's just my best guess on that, but... If you wind up finding Akron on the 14 seed line, They're catching double figures. I think that you've got a little bit of value with taking the points Now, The one thing with this Akron team that you do want to note is that they've only got one guy that gives you more than four rebounds per game. Now, he was absolutely tremendous in the game that we wound up seeing against Kent State. He wound up having a big performance in Enrique Freeman. He had 23 points. And overall for the year, going into that game, was averaging 13 points and 11 rebounds per game. This is also an Akron team that they've been spotty with regards to their free throw shooting. They shoot right around 68.5%. At the free throw line, but I do take a look at this team, and all of a sudden, they've been able to do a better and better job of just being able to buckle down with that regard. It's an Akron team that they do a good job of being able to have a couple guys be able to shoot from three point range. Xavier Casaneda is someone that winds coming in from South Florida. I like his overall game, a guy that's able to shoot 37.5% from three point range. It's a team that I mentioned it, they are currently riding an eight game win streak as well. And you take a look at them when they were out of conference versus in conference, and it's a team that when they wound up getting to MAC conference play, they were able to do a little bit of a better job with their overall shooting. It is a team that they do have a little bit of vulnerability with regards to giving up the three-point shot. In conference, they allowed opponents to be able to shoot right around 35.7% from three-point range, but a team that does a good job of being able to button down, a team that has only turned the ball over right around 11 times per game. They did wind up losing, by the way, one of their top guards in K.J. Walton, which is why I feel like they wound up getting off to a little bit of a... Tough start to begin the year, by the way. K.J. Walton was spending, like, his 25th year in college basketball. This is a guy that began his career at Missouri. He wound up playing at Ball State. I think that he wound up having another stop along the way as well. This is a guy that... Boy, oh boy, he has been in college basketball for a long time. But that said, this is an accurate team that I do think that they're going to be able to make a little bit of noise as well. And then if you're looking for a team that's going to be a little bit further down the board, they they might have a little bit of value taking the points with them. They've got to avoid the rematch of what we wound up seeing last year because they wound up getting just completely bludgeoned after they wound up playing in the first four and wound up being able to win that game. And then they wound up having to advance. That would be the... uh, Norfolk State Spartans, they were able to win in the Miak tournament. They wound up being able to get the job done by double digits, being able to win and cover that game against Compet and With this Norfolk State team, they're one of the more underrated defensive teams. You're going to find it all of college basketball. And they've got a guy in Joe Bryan Jr. That's able to do a solid job for the team with right around 16 and a half points per contest. Typically, when you've got defense-oriented teams, you typically don't have a lot of sharp shooters on this team. But you've got a guy in Christian Ings along Dana Tate. Both of these guys average between 9 and 9.5 and points per contest. They both shoot from three-point range in the neighborhood of about 43%. And Norfolk State, in terms of points allowed on a per-possession basis, they are number 20 in college basketball. Here are the three teams that are below them loyal chicago boise state and fresno state that is the company that this team winds up holding so i do think that norfolk state as a 16 seed, if they wind up getting into that playing game you probably want to be taking a look at them i think that they're going to be able to provide you a little bit of value and we're just going to try to unearth some value with regards to college basketball in general in the final hour of the greg peterson experience take a little bit of a look back at saturday and take a look at the five games that we've got for sunday in the final hour of the greg peterson experience right here on V-CIN, the Sports bank network
4: slash compatibility.